This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, March 30th, 2023 edition. And yep, you know what that means. Tomorrow is the final day of the first quarter, and nothing stands still. The weather is constantly changing, and so are the markets. And the dynamics are becoming more complex. And geopolitical variables are the main culprit of that. And while this isn't a geopolitical show in and of itself, you have to consider it. And that's how we talk about it. I do have some topics to discuss with you today in regards to that, because it does have an impact on markets, on economies, and on companies. And I'm Justin Klein, and that's what I'm here to help you with, is to answer your finance and investment questions to help you develop better portfolio strategies and make better consistent decisions with your money, not falling prey to headlines and emotions, but focusing on the facts on the ground and data that really speaks to the situation that we're in today. So I'm here, as always, to answer your straight and unbiased answers, or to give you my straight and unbiased answers to your questions. No hidden agenda, as usual. And try to navigate you through this, this time that's, uh, that's different than what we've been used to if you're only studying the last decade or so. But it's more about the long term, right? Cycles happen, and we are in the beginning of a new one and the end of another. So I'm ready for your finance and investment questions. You can call our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. You can do that live, 4 to 5 Pacific time, as well if you want to talk to me live. Okay? Now, my focus point looks behind this story. Are you unknowingly subsidizing your colleagues' 401k fees? We're going to dig into 401k fees and how you should think about them and Remember, you actually have a say. If you have a 401k, may not sound, feel like you have a say, but you do. Your leadership team of your company has a fiduciary duty to you, the employee, to administer the best plan that they can. And so we're going to look at that, and I think it's going to be interesting and pull behind or look behind the curtains of the machinations within the 401k world. Also, tech layoffs. There's been a lot of them so far over the past year, called 12 months. But that's likely to increase. And also, where are they going? Are they all just moving to a different tech company? We'll talk about that. Also, there's been a lot of discussion about the recent 
meeting between Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin and the agreement to move away from settling payments in dollars. And we're going to talk about why. And I think it's underappreciated why they're doing this and what the potential ramifications could be or not. A lot of people talk about it, but is it as big as everyone makes it out to be? So we're going to look at that. And then also the metaverse. Let's get an update on how those projects are going. All right. So it's on the docket for me as well as voice bank questions from you in regards to EQT and banks and long-term mortgages. Right. And I have an iTunes review question as well. So I've got this all planned for this hour of Invest Talk and, of course, your live calls. So give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. Now let's take a look at the market today. It's a modest update, but uh, U.S. Uh, broad market was up about a half a percent. And small caps lagged uh, a bit after leading the last couple of days. Mid caps are up about 46 basis points. So a uh, decent update. Uh, really a follow-through from a strong update yesterday. And you continue to see the VIX come down. And when volatility is suppressed, that typically means you have a market markets that, that float higher. And you really had that, especially in the back half of the day. We started higher. We uh, pulled back for the first half of the day and then rallied back to basically where we were at the open. And so kind of a boring day, to be honest with you, probably the most boring day we've had in a while uh, on, on the markets, but it was a solid update. Boring days are typically positive uh, for markets, all right? So that's where we are heading into the final day of the quarter. Now let's head over to our first listener question now. Hello, Steve and Justin. Today I'm calling about two financial companies on my watch list, Evacor, ticker symbol EVR, and SEI Investments, ticker symbol SEIC. These companies have very attractive operating metrics with net cash, SEIC having no long-term debt. Based on your professional assessment, which of these companies would be best to add to a portfolio or should both be added to a portfolio without exposure to the financial sector? Evercore seems to be at a better value today. I'll be waiting on your answer on the podcast. Thank you. All right, looking at two companies in the financial space, but they're they're very different companies. Now, SEI Investments provides investment processing, management, and operation services to financial institutions, asset managers, asset owners, and financial advisors. And we, I think we've looked at them in regards to our tech stack before, uh, and they seemed good. We don't use them, but uh, it was kind of on the list of companies we did look at. And it's a solid, a solid business, but uh, the the chart is been just kind of so-so over the past couple of years, just really trending sideways. So uh, not super exciting. And so that's that's my first trepidation is just to see this in a very neutral stance, technically neutral to, to, to slightly bearish, I would say. Uh, Evercore, that's a very different business. They are an independent investment bank. And they focus a lot on mergers, acquisitions, and restructuring. Now, the big question is, what percentage of their business is restructuring? I think that's going to be uh, uh, more interesting. Because if you go into an environment where there are more defaults, we talked yesterday about the commercial real estate market and how that's struggling. And just companies in, in general that, are gonna, that have a lot of debt, they're going to, they're going to struggle. And so... 
I like the companies that have exposure there that help those companies get through these tough times. And so if I'm going to pick one, and then you look at Evercore's chart, it's more of an uptrend. No, it's not not powering higher in any uh, super strong way. But over the long term, the weekly chart is, is definitely making a series of higher highs and higher lows, and it has pulled back uh, to its 200-week moving average. So if I'm picking one over the other, I'm going to pick Evercore. I like Evercore uh, overall. My favorite in the, in the uh, financial services space, but I like, I like that you're looking at non-banks, and Evercore doesn't have a lot of debt, has consistent profitability long-term. So I'm going to give Evercore definitely a thumbs up over S-E-I-C. All right. Thanks for the call. Now, you know, Steve and I are excited about our 50 for 50 million giveaway, and we just concluded. We've, we've given away all 50 of our one-year subscriptions to the KPP Premium Newsletter. And congratulations to the 50 lucky winners. And the more people learn about Invest Talk, the better it is for all of us, right? To grow the community. And that's why we have started our social platforms to try to grow our community, get more questions, get more ideas. We love the calls and feedback from our, our listeners. And hopefully you can help us uh, with that as well. Now we're going into a short break. So hang on. Or even better, give us a call on Invest Talk at 888 99 Chart. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads surpassing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download. And hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. Justin Klein is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Chris from Boston. Just had a question about issues with the banks recently. Um, one of the mentions, the uh, pain point for these banks happens to be like the long-term treasuries they've held. I'm just wondering why there isn't much talk about the potential of them holding long-term mortgages because with interest rates so low over the past number of years, are they not holding just as many securities that are mortgage-backed? I'm just wondering if that's another issue that's going to come up like it did in 2007, 2008. Thank you. Well, they do hold a lot of mortgages, but they're more Fannie and Freddie uh, bonds, so they uh, it's a similar issue as the treasuries and the fact that they they don't pay. They bought them during a time when mortgage rates were three percent, two and a half to three percent, and they were yielding very low rates. And so, this isn't a credit problem. This is something that's very important to understand. This is very different than 08 because 08 was a credit problem. That was 
the underlying entities, whether that was an individual person or a company or whatever, in 08, they were unable to pay the mortgage because of bad underwriting standards. The problems right now with banks are not bad underwriting standards. It's more a product of, hey, the Fed is just really bad at managing the economy in the you know short to medium term because they slammed on the brakes, ran rates super high real quick, and it's hard for banks to, to deal with that. Uh, and these Fannie and Freddie bonds have a similar type of characteristics as the treasuries. Once again, low rates and their maturities or the, uh, the duration, excuse me, typically increases as interest rates increase, which is a unique aspect to them because one, one way that these mortgage bonds have shorter duration is because people sell their homes, they refinance their home, and what happens is they pay off those mortgages shorter than the 30 years. Almost nobody has a mortgage and keeps it for 30 years anymore. Now, maybe these people that are locked in at 3% will uh, more recently, but mortgages over the past 30, 40 years, almost nobody kept them for 30 years. They, they, they sold the home, they moved, they, they refinanced. But now because people are rate locked, that makes these bonds, the underlying mortgages within these bonds, longer duration. And that is kind of a double whammy uh, with, with rates so high. And so... Yes, there is an issue with the mortgages, but it's just, it's not the same issue as 08. It's the same issue and maybe slightly exacerbated with the, as, as it is with the treasuries, right? Is the duration risk that these, comp- that these banks had taken. So that's really the issue there. Now, in some ways, it's self correcting because rates have come down, right? So that helps the value of treasuries, that helps the value of these, these mortgage bonds. Uh, so, it's really about the Fed pivoting. It's very easy for the Fed to solve this. Stop raising rates. They obviously have signaled that they are. It's just a matter of how quickly will they cut. And I think if the, it's, it's an easy fix, once again, to solve this problem. Let's go to Nick in Manhattan Beach who wants to talk about CDNF. Hi, Justin. Yeah, I, I'm calling to ask your opinion about uh, two very close competitors in okay. the um, – in the software, uh, the, the semiconductor software design space, Cadence okay. Design and Synopsys. Um, I, I'm bullish on these companies because uh, they're mission critical to pretty much every chip designer out there. They're probably going to be the last cost cut in a downturn because, um, you know, if, if you get rid of your engineers, if you get rid of the you know, software they need to design the chips, you're probably going bankrupt. Yeah. Um, so it, it seems to be correlated with the research and development uh, spending of the whole industry and the, TIN, the you know, total addressable market is growing. Um, they're very close competitors. It's an oligopoly. I'm wondering, uh, on a free cash flow margin basis, uh, since they're software companies, what, what is a better bet right now valuation-wise and um, – Okay. Well, we're going to head to a quick break and I'll get to the answer after our break. So give me a call now for the rest of you at 888-989-CHART and Nick, hang on. We'll get to your answer after the break. things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. 
I truly enjoy helping investors. And I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, we were talking to Nick from Manhattan Beach, California, just up the road from me, and looking at Synopsis and CDNS, which is which is uh, Cadence Design Systems. And he, you're correct, Nick, that this is kind of a duopoly, and uh, it's all about chip design, and you can't you can't really make chips without uh, their their help. Uh, now. The issue here, though, is just valuations for both are egregious. Um, Price-sales ratio for Synopsys is 11 times. Cadence Designs is about 16 times. Enterprise value to EBITDA for Cadence is 46.6, 43 for Synopsys. So uh, it's, it's pretty clear that the... Uh, that Cadence is valued higher from a multiple perspective, um, but probably for good reason. And if you look at the return on invested capital, the three-year mean is about 25% on cadence and 16% on synopsis. And so it's more profitable. You have free cash flow yield uh, on synopsis at about 2.6 versus 2 on cadence. And then return on assets is higher on cadence as well, about 18% versus 10 So cadence is certainly a better performer, but you're paying up for that. But you're paying up for both of these. Um, so I, I wouldn't be buying them now. I think they're great companies to have on a watch list, and I agree that that they are they're they're great businesses. I just wouldn't pay this yeah. much for them at this point. Yeah. Um, I, why do you think the valuation has pretty much the, the multiples have pretty much done nothing but go up in the last like three or four years? It just seems people seem to be paying more and more for them and willing to pay higher multiples. Well, I mean, the, the, the tech industry in general has, has been, uh, has had elevated uh, valuations. Obviously, this has always been relatively elevated. Back in 2014, though, it was trading at, uh, Synopsis is at more like 13 to 14 times EBITDA. Now it's at 43 times. Now, the good thing about these businesses is they don't have any debt. They're, they're free, their free cash flow is, is very consistent. But I don't think that they are immune to the cycles of the industry. I think they're always going to do well, um, but in uh, 2002, uh, Synopsys had negative free cash flow, and 2017 they had 600 million in free cash flow, and that fell to about 236 million over that time frame. So 17 to you know early early 19. So their business is is not immune to the downside of the the chip industry, and you've already you've already seen a free cash flow flatten out. For this name, uh, for these names, excuse me, and usually that's the precursor to a decline. So I think you'll get a better opportunity at some point. It's just a matter of of when, and you think you have to be patient. Would you back up the track out for both these? Like for I guess for for Cadence, we've identified that as probably the better bet. You think yeah. around one fifty? Uh, I mean that's good support. But ultimately, if you go back to the time in 2000, let's see, I'm trying to look at its, its typical volatility. You know, long term, it's been holding the 100-week moving average. That's probably where I want to pick it up. So yeah, around the 160, 150, 60 level, I think that's pretty good support. 
Uh, and that's, that's if there's no major downturn in, in uh, chip manufacturing. If there is, obviously it could go much lower, but yeah, 150 to 160, that's the support area. Thanks for the call. Now my focus point looks in the story behind this question. Are you unknowingly subsidizing your colleagues 401k fees? And a lot of people don't understand how their 401k plans work, but especially for smaller plans, there's a lot of fees that the employees eat that they have to pay for. Now, typically there's not a line item that says you're paying this amount, but you are uh, usually in some way, shape or form. And these are costs to administer the plan, tracking daily functions, uh, fluctuations in account values, facilitating trades and issuing notices to investors. And so what a lot of these funds within your plan might have are what are called revenue sharing fees or 12B1 fees or shareholder services fees. You can call them whatever they whatever you want, but basically they're when the fund manager collects the fee, right? Every mutual fund has a fee that you get charged every day a little bit, and that might be in total for a year only 5 to 10 basis points, it might be 100 basis points, you know, 1% or more. And then the fund manager will kick back the a part of that fee to the plan administrator. That could be the advisor on the plan. That happens a lot if you are at a broker that's selling you a mutual fund. If you got if you have a mutual fund through a bank, you're typically uh, charged some sort of a load. You're they're probably paying some sort of kickback to your quote unquote advisor, who's just really a salesperson. But this happens in the four hundred one k world as well. Now, 8% of workplace retirement plans that have 401ks use revenue sharing to pay for the plan administration. Now, that's down from 16% last year and 40% a decade ago. But this survey is from the larger plans. If you look at plans of all sizes, it's still about 40% that use revenue sharing. And so if you're in a smaller plan, if you're in... Uh, a fund you might be in funds that give kickbacks whereas your your colleague might not be and so you're paying a kickback whereas your your colleague might not be so that's uh, the idiosyncrasies and you have to really look at the plan and put pressure on your plan sponsor to improve your plan don't sit idly by and have a bad 401k plan all right we're heading to a quick break so i'm ready to take your calls live at 888 chart let's say You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. 
Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Now, the next Invest Talk, the story behind this headline, why credit risk suddenly matters for bond fund investors. Since the emergence of the banking crisis in early March, the bond market landscape has changed dramatically, leading to big swings in performance among bond funds. Steve will get to that story tomorrow, but let's go to Roger. He is in the Bay Area. He wants to talk about TRNO. Yeah, hi, Justin. Uh, yes, uh, I wanted to get your opinion on uh, Terino Realty. I feel it's a good player in the real estate space. Uh, wanted to know your your thoughts on it and uh, what would be a good price point to get into it. All right, this is a REIT, and it is engaged in acquiring, owning, and operating industrial real estate in six coastal U.S. markets, L.A., northern New Jersey, New York City, San Francisco Bay Area, Seattle, Miami, and Washington, D.C. So pretty much the six biggest markets. And it, it buys warehousing and, and distribution space, flex space, uh, as well as transshipment and improved land. So this is uh, an area that I definitely like more than most within the commercial real estate or with, within the REIT space. I like industrial real estate. Now, all that has weakened some. There was a big tailwind with the warehousing, for example, uh, during the COVID pandemic with so many goods being purchased. You know, I know somebody in the warehousing business and he had, he didn't have enough space on his shelves and now he has spare capacity. And so it's kind of reverted to the mean and, and that's what's happening with earnings or, or funds from operations, shall we say, in this, uh, in, in, in the REIT space. 
2019, their fun, their FFO was a dollar thirty nine. Went to a dollar forty five in 2020, a dollar seventy one 2021, and last year two dollars. But this year, it's supposed to be down forty one percent to dollar nineteen, and only a dollar thirty one next year. So what you're seeing here is that reversion to the mean, and that's what would would worry me a bit is that it's it's been expensive for that new earnings paradigm. Uh, now it has come down from its high around uh, 81 and now it's at 63 and the technicals are certainly improving. Uh, but once again, I still think it's a little too expensive for my, my liking uh, after this recent run. So I like where you're looking, but I would like it back down into the high 40s. That's where it'd be interesting to me. Uh, until then, uh, I would hold off on Tor Toronto Realty, T-R-N-O. But I like what you're looking at. Great. Thank you. Thanks for the call. All right. Let's talk a bit about the tech industry. And Mark Zuckerberg recently declared that this is the year of efficiency. Now, that's not exciting, especially for the tech industry. It's... Uh, Usually it's all about innovation and breaking things, but Meta recently announced that they're going to lay off about 10,000 staff on top of the 11,000 it laid off back in November. Amazon as well said they would lay off 9,000 corporate employees after laying off 18,000 white collar employees late last year. And so far, American tech firms have announced 118,000 layoffs, according to Crunchbase, and that's after cutting back 140,000 jobs last year. Now, that sounds like a lot, but in the grand scheme of, scheme of things, it's pretty minor. Only 6% of American tech industry workforce has been laid off since the start of last year. Only six. By comparison, if you go back to Tech Bubble 1.0, I think you know, we're in the midst of Tech Bubble 2.0. Back then, 23% of tech workers were laid off from the peak in 2000 to the end of 20, uh, 2003. But that's the, that's the size, and it shows that there's probably more to come in that space. But who's getting laid off? Well, mainly it's been on business function and sales and recruitment. So think of HR, sales, recruitment, all of that. Now, between the start of the pandemic and peak employment at the start of 2023, tech workers added around 1 million total jobs. So it's only a drop in the bucket so far of what they've hired over the past few years. And recruitment is the first place to go because, hey, if you're not expanding hiring in general, what's the point of recruiters? Typically, one recruiter is needed for hire 25 employees per year. So that's a lot of recruiters to add 1 million jobs. So those are easy to, to get off. And then if you are shrinking headcount in general, you need less HR staff. If companies are tightening their belts, you need less sales, et cetera. So those are the first ones to go. Now, spe specialists, though, are starting to get some layoffs. Meta said they will structure its tech functions in April. So those that are more focused on software development, for example, product development, they're starting to get the ax. But there are other industries that are picking these tech workers up. John Deere, for example, has been 
hiring these fire tech workers and helping them uh, build smart farm machinery. They opened an office in Austin, for example, to try to get a lot of those people that are being laid off who had moved there. Car makers are focusing on software, so they're uh, picking up some of these workers, banks and health insurers, as well as retailers. And then there's the startup world. And a lot of the laid off workers are starting their own companies. In January, applications to Y Combinator, a startup school in Silicon Valley, was up fivefold from the previous year. And they're focusing a lot on AI. So that's what's happening in the tech world. Probably more layoffs to come, but plenty of other industries there to snap them up besides you know, the, the big tech companies. All right. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Beirut Don says, it looks like one of my watchlist stocks is on the way down. American Tower, down about 90 from its yearly high. They're partnering with Qualcomm. Maybe this is a reason for the decline or rising interest rates. Not sure. I buy stocks for the long term and was wondering if you still like this one. And if yes, what price would you pay to get in? So this is AMT. And this is one of those cell phone tower REITs where they lease space on their towers to the AT&Ts and Verizons of the world. And you're right, this is down pretty dramatically, a peak of about $300 per share back in late 2021. Now we're at $200 per share, so down about a third. But funds per operation are expected to be down even more. So pre-pandemic, they were uh, earning right around $8 Funds from, from operation went up to $10 last year, but it's expected to only be $4.51 this year, $4.78 next year. So that's what worries me the most. And typically these were companies that were, or REITs that were always trading at high multiples. And right now, based on forward FFO, you're talking about 50 times. I don't like that. So I'm going to pass on this. I, I, would, I want to see where the funds for operation are headed. Why is it down so much this year expected and uh, going forward? Uh, I don't see the technicals improving. It's pretty weak. And it's coming from, once again, high multiples and, and it can go down a lot more. So uh, I don't really have a price. Uh, I don't see this as a great investment right now. I would move on. Uh, and, find, and, and keep it on your watch list to, to see where the, the FFO uh, levels out at. If it can rebound close to 9 or $10 again, then it might be interesting. But so far, the analysts continue to downgrade their projections going forward, and I'm going to pass. All right. Now, we get invest talk callers from across America and around the world. So let's play a question that came in earlier from one in Germany at 888 chart Hello, Stephen Justin. This is Paolo from Germany calling. I have a question about innovative industrial properties. I've been buying the stock and uh, it has come down a lot, 35%. It's down from my previous price I paid. And I've actually bought a little bit more, but it's grown a lot in my portfolio, it's like almost 8% of my portfolio, but it still looks cheap to me. So my question is like, how got the stock affected by this whole regional bank crisis? And um, is it a buy, hold or sell at this point? 
So, yeah, I'd like to hear the answer on the podcast, and I enjoy your show, and uh, bye-bye. All right, Innovative Property Inc., Innovative, Innovative Industrial Properties Inc., excuse me, IIPR, yields about 10%, and this is all, uh, this is a cannabis REIT, so they uh, get properties licensed and approved, and then they rent them out to cannabis uh cannabis businesses, whether that's uh, grow facilities or dispensaries. And they're obviously, it's, it's a business there's high yield and high risk. And so recently you've seen uh, that, that high risk. They have some defaults on some of their properties, but that doesn't mean that they can't fill them. And in fact, they, they have uh, filled a few that, uh, of the ones that have uh, defaulted on their leases. So uh, we think this is a good price long-term and uh, probably the best way to, uh, to invest in the cannabis space. But the cannabis space has been under pressure, and I think that's really the main issue here. Uh, nothing to do with the underlying business itself, although you know it's going to be uh, some of volatile. So uh, I think it's uh, nothing to do with the banking crisis at all. This is more in sympathy to the space in general. Okay. Now, Steve and I have been telling you for a while we are in a new cycle, and you need to be on the right side of that cycle. You have bull markets, you have bear markets, you have and, and, and both cyclical and secular bull and bear markets. And serious investors need to understand the strategies that work in that environment. So if you need help understanding whether your strategy is aligned with your goals and your risk tolerance levels, don't hesitate to reach out to myself or Steve at our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, where we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. And we give unbiased guidance both on and off air. So you can take advantage of our free portfolio view assessment via, te via telephone or go to meeting to send us a message through investtalk.com or give our office a call at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now this is Invest Talk. Next up, I will tackle another caller question. So hang on. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. Steve and Justin are fearless, so don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. I have a question about Spirit Realty Capital Inc., ticker SRC. My parents have invested in it, and I uh, can't find a whole lot of information on it. If at all possible, I'd like to hear any information you can give us. Thanks. Bye. All right. This is SRC. Looks to be a <clears throat> medium-sized REIT, about $5.5 billion market cap. Everyone's loving the REITs today. Interesting. Now, this is involved in leasing properties throughout the U.S. It acquires real estate through sale leaseback transactions where tenants want to sell their property and lease it back to them. This happens a lot. You know, if a company's in a tough financial situation, they own real estate. Well, what you do is you don't want to move. You just sell it and then you run it back. You get a big influx of cash. And that can be good for both sides. Now, the vast majority of its portfolio are retail properties, general merchandising companies, casual dining, quick service restaurant chains, 
that's most of their business. And obviously, that tends to, to struggle um, in this environment. Return equity, about 7%, but long-term average is closer to 4%. So I think it's over-earning right now. And you're seeing that with the funds for operation expected to be down from $3.56 last year to $1.465 this year and $1.42 next year. And analysts continue to downgrade those earnings. I don't love the technicals and I don't love the profitability of this business. So I'm going to pass on SRC. I think you should move on. Uh, there's better opportunities within the REIT space. You might be uh, addicted to that six points. What's the yield right now? 6.8% dividend yield, but that's likely to come down because funds for operation are likely to come down as well. All right. Now let's touch a bit on the dollar. And there's been recent news about the meeting between Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin and paying Russia, excuse me, Russia paying for goods and services with renminbi and vice versa. So basically settling trades in the Chinese currency. Now, a lot of people are making a big deal out of this. But what I will say is the timing is not a coincidence. And when I say timing, I'm talking about sanctions. Russia's not doing this because they want to do it. They're doing this because they have to do it. With our sanctions, we have forced them to find an alternative. Do they want to get a currency that has a closed capital account? No, they don't. Now, they're going to say that American assets are toxic. And, you know, there's something to be said about the heavy-handedness of the sanctions and how quickly they were implemented. You can argue whether that was smart or not, but I'm sure the rest of the world took notice. But a lot of people are getting emotional about this announcement, especially when you have the Saudi government invoicing some oil exports in Rinminbi as well. So after the break, we're going to get into whether this is a big deal or not. This is the best talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you need to do that right now at 888 chart You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, we talked a bit about the announcement that China and Russia are going to settle trades in the Chinese currency. And a lot of people were upset about this. And you know, I talked about how this, uh, this, the, the sanctions kind of forced Russia's hand here. And a lot of people are saying, well, this is the end of the dollar hegemony. And the reality is that's pretty far from the facts. Now, the proportion of the, dollar, the global reserves of dollars has sunk from 72% in 1999 to 59% today. But the dollar still 
dominates the debt markets. And remember, when you have debt denominated in a certain currency, you need that currency to pay it back. If you have a mortgage, you can't go to your mortgage company and give them Canadian dollars or euros or Brazilian reals. You need dollars. And there are, there's not just a lot of dollar debt here in the U.S., but around the world. And so the recent crisis, which a lot of people are talking about, has forced the Fed to launch a dollar swap program. And that's because global investors needed the dollars during a crisis. They need those dollars to pay those debts. And so it further strengthens the global dollar system when these things are instituted, when dollars move abroad. And frankly, that's kind of the downside of being the global reserve currency. There's, there's not just all upside. There's downside as well. It's one of the reasons why our manufacturing base has been hollowed out. It's because we need to export dollars around the world. And you need a, a current account deficit to do that for the most part, something that's consistently putting dollars out into the global system. So the dollar, you know, it, we have our own problems. We have a lot of debt. We have a lot of issues, but so does everybody else, right? China's capital markets, the European capital markets are very weak. They're shallow. They're closed. They're not great. There's not a lot of good alternatives to the dollar. So people say the, the yuan is going to be the next global reserve currency, I pretty much laugh at that. It's kind of a joke. Most Chinese citizens that live there, they're trying to get their money out of the country. Just think of Vancouver real estate. That's where most of them, that money is going. So uh, interesting story, uh, going to be an impact around the margins, but not in a broader way. Now we're heading almost out of time, but let's squeeze in one more caller question. Hi, this is Alex from the Bay Area. And my question is, can you compare and contrast a value stock to a growth stock? Thank you. Uh, yeah, you can. Uh, it's, it's difficult, right? Uh, it's more about industry, right? What industry do they operate in? It's, it's hard to look at a software company and an industrial company. They're two very different businesses. Uh, one is more or less cyclical. Uh, you have to look at balance sheets, their working capital costs, their profit margins longer term. Uh, and so, you know, growth stocks are always going to trade at somewhat of a premium to companies that are slower growing. But the question is, does that growth ever get to some level of profitability to make up for those higher multiples? And that's the, the broader question. And for the vast majority of the growth of your names, they don't, right? It's more hype than substance, especially in times like this. So can you compare them? Yeah, absolutely. Is it more difficult? Yes, it is. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's my answer. Thanks for the call. Well, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime, as usual, at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate us on iTunes as well. Remember to follow InvestTalk on our social media platforms. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night.
InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.